That was a big turning point for us, yeah. He said it won't feel better, but God will do more through you. Well, welcome to the Shepherd Hearted Leader Podcast. We are so glad you are here with us today. On today's episode, we're going to talk about reaching into the future. And so often as leaders, it's easy for us to get stuck in what's going on today and miss out on what God has in the future. And so as we have other people around us, we need to reach in their future and help them fulfill the potential that God has for them. In this episode, I share a lot of my own personal stories and Nate shares a bunch of his. We talk about mentors and people who reached into our future and helped us make us into the people we are today. So we're excited to have you a part of the conversation. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, Nate, uh, we've had so many good conversations already that I just want to dive a little bit deeper, you know, got to go a little bit deeper at it. So we've already talked about Shepherd Hearted Leader, a little bit about your background. I thought it'd be fun to just touch base with some of my background where it's a little bit different than yours growing up. So I did not grow up in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. I didn't have parents who were uh, shepherd hearted leaders and discipling people and going to church all the time. I know when you and I first started dating, that was like a shock how much your parents were involved in church and discipling people. Um, But I know like through our course of our life, you know, Mm -hmm. I've grown and learned quite a bit, but I grew up in a home where for a long time, my parents were not believers. They got, they came to Lord when I was about 12. But before that, there was some alcoholism in our family. We always cared about our relatives. We had people living at our house on Mm -hmm. and off and friends and neighbors. So there was a lot of generosity and caring for others, but it wasn't like with the shepherd hearted leader that I learned about. Work, you know, being married to you, and I was mm. going to say working for you, I kind of work with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember about a year ago, we were at CMN, and you were asked to share, and you shared on the Shepherd Heart Leader, but you actually did a talk called Reaching Into the Future. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment that I really got it. Mm-hmm. I understood kind of the whole shepherd hearted leadership, why you did it, why you live the way you live. Like I always joke, like it's always about other people. It's always about, you know, reaching into the future, us Gen Xers, you know, Mm -hmm. the X, like you're forgotten, the forgotten generation, like the people ahead of us didn't retire quick enough and the people behind us are ready to take our jobs. (laughs) But really that X is like the cross, you know, and being that shepherd hearted leader. So when you shared at CMN, Mm -hmm. And we're going to have you dive into some of the yeah. thoughts that you um, shared. But I, there was former staff and former youth leaders and people that were in the audience that day. And so many of them came up to us afterwards and said, wow, like with tears in their eyes going, what you said is true. Mm. And it really validated your message. And it echoed for quite mm-hmm. a while where even a year later, you're still hearing yeah. from people. And I think that day it really made me realize how rare shepherd hearted leadership is. Mm. And so I really appreciate you allowing me to learn from you and come along this journey and Mm. learn to die to self and Mm. to really be about other people. And so uh, one of the things you shared in this message was all about reaching into the future. And so I'd love if you would just talk about that for a little bit here. Well, first of all, thanks for for saying those nice things too. Um, And it... Your story illustrates not everybody has the same backstory. So some people might listen to me and I talk about my dad or I talk about my journey and they may think, well, that's only for you. I I, I could never be a shepherd hearted leader like you, Nate. And the truth is anybody can be. And I can learn from you. Like you've taught me so many things too, Jody. So 
I think that we are all moving towards what Jesus wants us to be and how we lead others and that kind of thing. And um, before I talk about um, reaching into the future in that particular message, I want to give you the backdrop of what I was thinking about uh, before I shared it. Um, it was a moment in my story where uh, the Church Multiplication Network, which is what CMN stands for, um, is about church planting, and and it's really the kind of the forward-thinking part of the Assemblies of God, our movement that we're a part of. And they're always thinking about raising up leaders, advancing the gospel, reaching the unreached, and that kind of thing. And uh, so the people that would attend that particular event are uh, church planters or um, a multiplication-minded staff, whole staff teams come. They were coming from all over the country. And many of those were at varying stages of their journey. So some of them were just out of college. Some of them were volunteers, and they had their own full-time jobs, but they were part of a church plant. Others um, had been in the ministry for 20-some years. Some of those people were the very people that you reflected on that were under our leadership at some point in our history. And so there was a couple thousand people in the room, and I really felt burdened by God to speak a word for everyone in the context of, hey, dream dreams. Everybody, you know, messages about dreaming dreams and about personal pain and talking about um, going for the unreached. Um, There could be a bit of this sense of if I'm going to be a successful leader, that I'm going to I'm going to have things that others will talk about someday that I'll be on that platform and the goal is to get to the CMN conference platform or something. And I see that as a very dangerous journey if people are chasing fame. And instead I thought, you know, looking at the room, there were a ton of lead or senior pastors, but there were also even more staff around them. And each individual in the room has a future beyond the moment that they're in. And that was really the setting. So I wanted to drop some seeds to think about not just this year, this plant, this opportunity, but 10 years from now and 15 years from now and your family journey and who you are as God grows you. And then more importantly, and you'll hear it if you ever listen to that message. You'll I, hear I listened it. to it again Did last you? night. Uh, if, you'll hear it in my heart just saying, think about the people underneath you. And as a shepherd-hearted leader, if you have staff or volunteers that are underneath you, I really would want you to think about their journey, not just yours, their their trajectory beyond your vision and beyond the current thing that you're trying to build. Because those people, if they serve under you, should do more than you've done. There should be more in their future if you think that way. So Um, I really based the whole message off of uh, a great scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, in the Hall of Fame chapter where, you know, there's a lot of things to be noteworthy for um, different um, figures from the Bible that are highlighted. So you got Abraham highlighted, you got Moses, you got different people in this Hall of Fame, if you will. And um, one of the things that I've skipped over for years was Isaac. So Isaac is the son of Abraham. He is the promised son. Um, and there's a whole backstory to his birth. And then Isaac has his own son. Now, it's interesting that Isaac repeated a lot of the errors of his father, which we often, all of us do. 
And Isaac then kind of took this family empire into the next generation. But what was he noted for out of his entire life? And in Hebrews 11.20, the message version says it this way. It says, by an act of faith, Isaac reached into the future as he blessed Jacob and Esau. And I love the language of that. Um, By an act of faith, he reached into the future. It's almost as if the language, the the body language is, is that he went beyond the head of the individuals into their future. Because Isaac, um, you know, he was a blind man. (laughs) So he had to have spiritual sight to see beyond the present tense into things that nobody else could see. And Jacob and Esau were two characters, uh, meaning not people that others would have picked. Uh, Jacob, his name noted noted as the deceiver. (laughs) And you see the biographical content that Jacob deceived at multiple stages of his life and then finally had to wrestle with an angel and, in a sense, God had to pin him to the ground in order for him to change. And then Esau um, was basically into himself and into his own needs and didn't really care about the rest of the family. He just wanted his bowl of soup, if you will, and he traded a bowl of soup for his birthright. And so um, these are two characters, if you will. Well, Isaac, their dad, saw beyond on the, the character traits of the present, and he saw something else in the future. And when he prayed for them, he prayed beyond the moment that he was in. Probably the moment would extend beyond his own lifetime, that he would see his sons even after he was in the grave. He was praying for them into the future. And it's a great metaphor for what we can do as shepherd-hearted leaders for those that are underneath us, to not just judge based on what we see in the present. I've had a lot of staff, a lot of leaders, a lot of people that God has helped me. I even coached youth sports. Yes. And uh, I remember coaching remember. second, third grade football players. And that herding was, cats, it right? was like, yeah, like herding cats. It was crazy. Uh, you had to see beyond that. And for me, um, the, the natural instinct is to only coach the present person that you see. But God has a design for their life. And if we can move beyond the present and see into the future, that takes faith. Mm-hmm. It was by an act of faith that Isaac reached in the future and blessed his sons. And if we can do that with the people that are in front of us, then their dreams, their life, their ministry will outlive us. And the possibility is, is that we will make a significant difference in their trajectory, their future. And just one thought that, you know, hopefully this doesn't take your, take you off the train of thought yeah. too much, but it was interesting that when he reached into the future, he reached into the future over one of them specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Not both of them. And how do you as a leader know which people that you should reach into their future versus other people who might be going down the wrong trajectory? I hate to say waste your time, but how, how well, do you know which one? You know, first of all, I think he reached in for both of them because um, it says he blessed his sons, both of them. Um, but both of them had a different destiny on their life. And so the, the destiny... Um, was different. And you have to recognize they aren't all cookie cutter. Um, You know, we have four sons. Each of them have their own design, their own personality, and they're going to kind of chase their own dreams along the way. And for us as leaders, I think we have to recognize that there are some, they're going to go into the 
industry, the career, the ministry that you're in, and there's some that won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still can bless their future, even if it's not, not in your world or they don't end up in your church or they don't stay with you. You want to bless them beyond the present tense of your influence in their life. That's good. So as you're looking at, um, thinking back to that CMN team, you also talked about other scriptures that are relevant to reaching into the future. And I love how you talked about David and Samuel. And just talk a little bit about that and mm-hmm. how we can reach into the future for others. Yeah, so uh, thoroughly love the story of Samuel, first of all. Um, Samuel was this guy that was the child of promise. His mom had prayed for a boy, and she promised that she would turn him over to the temple if if God would give her a boy. And so God gave her a boy, and sure enough, Samuel grows up in the temple and he hears the voice of God. He serves under a priest who has um, should have retri- retired a while ago. Uh, wasn't really doing his best and allowed his sons to do things that God did not bless. And um, so Samuel grew up around corruption, if you will. Um, he saw it all. And then finally, Eli, the priest, dies and Samuel becomes the priest the prophet of the country. This is before kings. And, and so really, um, in Israel, Samuel was the leader. He was the military leader, the financial leader, the spiritual leader. and uh, But the people didn't like that. The people wanted a king like the other countries had. So, so God um, gives in or gives them what they want. And tells Samuel, I want you to go to anoint the first king of Israel, and that was Saul. And Saul started with the supernatural event. He prophesied God was with him. But then Saul stopped following God and was a horrible leader over time. And God says, I'm done with you. (laughs) And sends Samuel, while King Saul is still in office, sends Samuel to go anoint the next king. And if you go on to 1 Samuel 14, 15, and 16, you'll see this story where Samuel has to now go anoint the next king. And I just a little side note, if I were Samuel, I'd be like, what's wrong with me? Why, why don't you have me lead? This guy screwed it up. It was fine before he came in. And, uh, and yet God chose him to have a different assignment. So Samuel then goes in to Jesse's household and God gives him this planner strategy of what to say. And by the way, it was kind of a cloak and dagger feel because if anybody, if sent word to King Saul, Samuel might've been killed. Oh, wow. Like he's anointing somebody else to be the king. And so Samuel had to come up with this plan. He says, I'm going to go to the house. I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice there and I'm going to look for the next king goes through all of David's older brothers, and none of them are the pick. And, and not would, even David's dad would have picked David. Yeah, and I, I would have been like one of those brothers going, hey, what's wrong with me? So you're like seeing, right. you know, right. Samuel, so, what, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, what about one of those brothers? Like, and I remember reading this text, and there was a pivotal moment where God shifted my perspective on the text because everybody kind of quotes that's in ministry that whole moment when... when uh, Samuel asks, is there anybody else? 
and he goes out and finds David in a field. And there's this little verse that says, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And, and then, of course, David is the one that's anointed to be the next king. And there was a moment where God said to me, I was about to speak to a whole bunch of uh, district youth directors, and uh, God spoke to me and said, stop seeing yourself as David in this story. Start seeing yourself as Samuel. Because most of us might think, well, nobody notices. God sees my heart. God knows where I'm at. But there also have to be those of us that are called to be Samuels, Mm. to notice the Davids to be ready to anoint that next group of persons. And so um, when I think of of our own role and whatever level of leadership you're in, even whatever age you're in, what, what if you paused and you just said, God, would you help me be a Samuel mm-hmm. to see the king and a shepherd boy, to see and notice the future of the people you've called me to lead? You might have tomorrow's biggest church leader underneath your leadership. You might have somebody that's going to change the world underneath your leadership. And right now they're just a youth pastor, quote unquote, just right now they're, they're just on staff doing something else, or they might just be a volunteer that shows up every week, but God has a bigger design for their life. And if you're only asking God to show you stuff about yourself, you're missing the fact that God might call you to be a kingmaker. And so um, that's where I really feel strongly that God wants us to do that. Now, we have to overcome some things to get to that spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And and some of those things that we have to overcome is our own ego. Um, We have to recognize that there are seasons of life where we can't confuse the anointing with adrenaline. You know, when you start off in any job or any role in the spiritual world, in the church world, um, when I started as a youth pastor, I can remember I poured my blood, sweat, and tears into everything. I was praying. I was working harder yes, than did. I should. And <laughs> I was just doing everything I possibly could. And God did move. But once it got up and moving, it didn't require as much energy from me because I'd raised up leaders. And then I didn't get that sensory kickback. Um, that's that's, that's that, honest. That's adrenaline. Yeah. You know, you're sometimes we get addicted to adrenaline, not the anointing, and we mistake when we no longer need adrenaline as the anointing lifting. And so I remember that back then when you were kind of sorting through that and you went and actually talked to Dr. Anderson, your mentor, mm-hmm. and he encouraged you with those words. Yeah. And it was at a point where you're like, "Lord, are you calling me out?" We had and another assistant pastor who was really loved, another assistant yeah. youth pastor, that is. So it was like, is he supposed to take on the youth ministry? Yeah. And I remember Dr. Anderson encouraged you with that and said, if you push past this, you're going to see growth. Yeah. And really, that's really when the youth ministry started growing. That was a big growing. turning point for us, yeah. Mm, he that, said it won't feel better, yeah. but God will do more through you. Yeah. And that's absolutely what happened. Um, and I think there's also that danger not only in chasing the kickback, the sensory kickback through adrenaline, but there's a danger in using your team for yourself and neglecting their future in the process. I remember when you said that, when you were speaking, like that really resonated Mm. with people Mm -hmm. and it was almost like a convicting, it was like, whoa, this is something that you don't hear shared with Mm -hmm. pastors at a pastor's conference. Mm. Yeah. I see it all the time, you know, and I... I hope that isn't the case for us ever. Um, we all have to fight that danger. 
If you see the volunteers on your team for only what they do for you, you're missing the fact that God is going to use them beyond your time with them. And um, it isn't about you. It's about what God is going to do in his kingdom. Grateful for the season and the time that they're with us, but it can't be about you. Wow. So do you have any practical ideas of how we can safeguard our hearts to make sure it's not about us? Like, is there things that we can watch out for? Like you said, ego, Mm -hmm. watching the adrenaline, making sure it's about the other person. I guess one of the things I think about practically Mm -hmm. that you've done is really shifted in staff about doing future ready Mm -hmm. leadership with the staff and having Mm -hmm. what you call a portable career plan. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so in some time in the future, maybe I can fully unpack it um, on on the podcast. But um, when I did my dissertation, uh, the title of my dissertation for my doctorate was uh, Preparing the Receiver of the Baton in the Succession Narrative. And uh, I took a deep dive into staff pastors of churches and in their future, thinking about what are we preparing them for five or ten years from now. And out of that research, um, I coined a term called a future-ready leader. A future-ready leader is a a leader that's not ready yet for their next stage or their final career uh, uh, station. And um, a future-ready leader needs to go through training and preparation to equip them to succeed at that next level. So what can we do to help them? while they're in whatever job or role that they're in, prepare for the next one. So um, in there, I, I did a project where I did a, a seminar with some staff pastors at our church and took them through a process of self-analyzing some of the things that their gifts and their strengths, their dreams, and help them create their own um, portable career plan so that they can continue to grow that plan in their life and then they're not wasting time in whatever role they're in or preparing for something else. So then we've also now taken that same kind of process and put it into our HR strategy. So uh, our desire is eventually for everybody to be able to go through it. We've kind of targeted as many people as we can at a given time where they'll go through a process where they go through different Um, tools that are designed to help them think about themselves and their future, their gifts, their talents, their desires, and then what do they need to do to work on those things so they succeed later on well, without leaving the job that they're in. And um, the desire of my heart is is that I'm getting many future senior pastors ready, many future leaders in other capacities, not just one successor for our church, And I think that that should be the mindset of most people, that while a person's a staff pastor under you and you're a lead pastor, you're not just coaching them for the present job that they're in, but you're also thinking about the long term and what they'll do after they're done with that job. When you look back at your own life, um, who are some of the people who reached into your future and Mm -hmm. prepared you? Yeah, I can go right through the list. Obviously, my dad would be at the top of the list. Uh, my my parents prayed it, spoke it into me, believed in me. I mean, even when I was a kid, my dad says that God spoke to him when I was in my mom's arms as an infant and said, he's destined for greatness. Now, so my dad would speak that over me 
when I was younger, sometimes I felt like it was too much pressure. Mm. But in truth, my dad reached into the future. And uh, I remember even when he would discipline me, he wasn't disciplining me and saying I was a bad kid. He was disciplining for my future. He'd say, this isn't you, son. This isn't what God's called you to be. And so he did it in relationship to my future. I remember when I didn't clean my room. Now, this sounds really menial. (laughs) But my dad said, if you can't take care of a room, your own bedroom, why would God give you a church? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Yeah, right? That's a little pressure. But but those are things of reaching into the future. Uh, I had a football coach um, um, that Daryl was his name and not a Christian guy, but I was in fourth grade playing football and he called me the best player in the league and he called stuff out of me and I ended up doing really good um, but he believed it in me and I lived up to that I had a youth pastor Jeff Grinnell did the same thing um, Wayne Benson pastor the church I was in um, those were people that really spoke into my life I had a friend named Monty Hip who saw great things in me from an earlier age and, and st- st- stood the test of time with me and stayed with me along the way for that. Mark Daniels, our first, the first one that hired me um, at the church at you Emmanuel. Didn't, you didn't always know. So like, with, he, now I can say that looking backward. Yeah, I couldn't at the, know, time. But, like, yeah, at the time. He said, he, uh, he said I was doing a good job twice yeah. in 10 years. But not really directly to The you. first time was as assistant youth pastor. The second yeah. time was after I had already quit. Yeah. So I didn't get a whole lot of verbal affirmation from pastor but he was preparing me for my future. Yeah. You know, even looking back, you know, he'd come into my office on Wednesdays or on Thursdays because he would listen to my messages I would preach in the youth group on Wednesday night. And he'd come in on Thursday and tell me everything I had done wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, I didn't feel like he liked me, you know. But now I look at it and go, he was preparing me for the future. Yeah. And sometimes that preparation is like a chosen chisel. Yeah. You would always say that. Like yeah, God's he was chosen God's chosen chisel, chisel on my life. It didn't so, feel good, but he was getting me ready. So people reaching into the future, sometimes it's affirmation, yeah. saying great things, but other times it's the lack of affirmation That's still true. prepares you yeah. for the future. And then uh, Gordon Anderson, you know, when he hired me to come to North Central, he would say things like, I think you're meant to lead a very large organization. I don't know what it is. Hmm. And so, and, and he had some phrases like one of them was, he's, my job is to give you a patch over your eye. And, uh, and I'm like, what do you mean? And he would give an illustration about, he said, if you're, if you're on the seashore and you've got to cl- cross the, the ocean, who do you want to be the captain of the ship you're about to get on? Do you, want, do you want the guy that's got all the latest charts and all the graphs and all the equipment but has never done it, has never actually sailed across? Or do you want the old guy that walks up with a wood peg leg and a patch over his eye and is about capsized eight times but survived? Which one do you want taking you across the ocean? You don't want Slick Willie. You, no, you want the guy with the patch over your eye. And Dr. Anderson said, my job is to help you earn your patch. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did in my 10 years at North Central. It was one thing after another, but I earned the patch. Yeah, had quite a few offices there, quite a few different responsibilities. Yeah. Your uh, jobs would grow, and some things never left your plate, so it would just be so promotion true. with extra yeah. responsibilities. But yeah. it was fun watching you grow and learn 
yeah. all the way through that. So anybody else that you think of that reached into your future? Uh, there's been so many people along the way, you know, you did when you said yes. Um, you believe beyond the present because I didn't have a car that was worth anything. Uh, you said yes and believed in me. Um, I was just smart enough not to tell my parents about your car. There you go. Uh, Mike Olson, the youth pastor that hired me, um, saw something in me and believed yeah. in me. Um, you know, so I, I could I could go through a long long list. Are you thinking anybody? No, I I think about people along my way. I probably don't feel like I had as many, you know, things that I could focus on like you did necessarily. Mm-hmm. But like Shirley Denyus yeah. pouring into me. She's the founding pastor's wife of Emmanuel and just her believing in me was awesome. And then some of the youth leaders along the way and Sunday school teachers, you know, we, Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, again, I said to you and everyone knows now Mm -hmm. that I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So I was a bus kid, bus ministry kid. I got picked up by whatever church would pick our family up. And so I think about Mrs. Hansen at the little Baptist church down the road who prayed with us and, you know, led us to the Lord and some of those others who would pick us up on the in their van or their bus or whatever and bring us to church. And so I know that God is not short in sending people to mm-hmm. just reach into our future. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I used to think I'd love to be a pastor's wife. And just looking at other ministry wives, you know, they mm-hmm. unknowingly, by their example, reached into my future. So yeah. I think it's such a powerful thing that all of us can do as leaders, whether you know, talking about being faithful and being consistent, we can be reaching into people's future without knowing it. Just yeah. an encouraging word. How did how did Shirley do that for you? Because she's a massive figure in your life on that. Well, just being available to talk when needed. And uh, she had her office available. So there would be me and others would just pop in there and talk to her and she would listen and pray. And she was really good at listening and not giving advice. So I think sometimes if we've got mm-hmm. too much aspiration in our life to want to mm-hmm. teach people stuff, mm-hmm. it's really not coming from an attitude of humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening to people and hearing where That's they're good. at and encouraging them, yeah. I think is something that really can reach into people's future. That's such so. a good point. I think so many people telling everybody else stuff, if you slow down and listen, you earn the right to speak too. Yep. Yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, when we see other people go through tough times and they make it, it can actually speak into our future and reach mm-hmm. into our future because all of us are going to run into hard times at some point. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that there's others ahead of us, that makes such a difference. It's really good. So, you know, we've done a lot and you've done a lot about reaching into people's future, sending them out, um, seeing them beyond what they can do for you. Mm-hmm. How, um, like, is there examples of people that you can look back and go, that was a really cool investment? Oh, man, of people that I've invested in? Yes. Um, oh, man, there's so many. You know, we just passed 10 years at the church, and um, we got thank yous in from people in the church and people impacted that we didn't even know. Yeah. Um, which has been those thank yous that have come in have been tear jerking and reminders that it was all worth it. Um, then we had a recent staff chapel where um, people said thanks on video to us and some of those people that we invested in or invested in us um, is just overwhelming, you know, um, 
So the people who invested in us, people like Gordon Anderson, Wayne Benson, Jeff Grinnell, my mom, my dad said things behind the scenes, and that's cool. Peer group people like my buddy Lee Cummings, and um, just meaningful to me. But then we saw like Justin and Andrea Lathrop, which when they they're just a couple years younger than us. Mm-hmm. But they were youth leaders under us um, at the church, and then they became staff members with us. And God had a different design for their life than just to stay at Emmanuel forever. And so the short amount of time that they were with us was so powerful that decades later, they've since moved on and done great things, gone beyond us in some ways. so amazing. And uh, so proud of them we still have that relationship and they remember our investment and it allows us still to be in their world. And so, so grateful. Um, and they've opened doors for us. You know, Justin is like a master networker. So he's also connected me with many other people I've never met had Justin not been a part of my life. And then, um, you know, people like Ryan Leak, who was a college student when I was a VP at North central and, I would go to chapel and one day I came out of chapel and he was just in the hallway and I said, Hey, I've never met him before. And we just connected and I said, Hey, hit me up. Let's meet sometime. And he did. He followed up and, uh, I just opened some doors for him at, at the school to do different things. And I really saw in him a speaking gift, but at that time he was behind the camera and he was producing videos and he was doing that kind of thing. And at one point in his few years at North Central, um, I would speak. I had him speak with me. I had him share because I felt like that's where he needed to be. Well, now Ryan does it nonstop and nice. around the world and business environments and churches and uh, it's an unbelievable communication gift. So that investment of reaching into the future is paid off. And he often will call me and and uh, just check in and let me know what's going on and still believes in me and. So even as a Samuel to a David, me to, to a Ryan, um, there's a lifetime of reward and connect, connection that's not just based on us still being at North Central because neither one of us are there anymore. It's so amazing. Yeah, and Ryan gives some good speaking tips to us too, so I love that yeah. some of those things just come full circle. Um, kind of back to the CMN time, and then we can just wrap up with this. Yeah. There was a lot of people that we saw that we had known from, you know, whether it was when you're a youth pastor or they were mm-hmm. former staff members, that it really resonated with them. And then mm-hmm. others, they were really challenged. What do you think about being a shepherd-hearted leader seems so challenging and so foreign to people? Um, what, do you, mm-hmm. what do you see as, like, so different than what they are normally hearing and why yeah. it resonated so well, I guess? Well, I don't know all of the the answers to that. I think that, that the present day age world of celebrity preachers and, um, popularity based, uh, platforms, I think that, um, it's common for people to just use people for their own success. Mm-hmm. And it challenges any one of us. I challenge myself when I speak, um, to remember that that the people God has called me to lead aren't just there for me, that I'm also there for them. And, um, you know, the higher you go leadership-wise, authority-wise, the uh, higher you go in an org chart, um, people do serve you. They do serve the vision, and they are doing things, and it can 
get so common and so normal that you think you deserve it, that you're entitled to others serving you. But in reality, that might not be the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus showed us the way by washing the feet of his disciples. To be great in God's kingdom is to serve other people. And I think that that's why that people felt challenged in the moment. It's a reminder of Jesus' example that we really are here for others, and it's not just about us. And uh, and that means you got to be willing to embrace the cross of it, the pain of it, the people leaving you. They don't stay with you. And um, It's not always about you. Maybe they move on. Maybe they outshine you. Maybe they do more than you've ever done. But if you shift in your focus and think like a Samuel, um, you can get excited about that. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's really where I think all of us can live. Well, thanks so much for sharing your heart. I know you've inspired me to be a Samuel. Like I would say probably most of <laughs> the time I'd go, Lord, pick me. I want to be David. Mm-hmm. But really shifting the focus and coming alongside you and championing other people, mm-hmm. it is our greatest joy. So thank you so much for sharing. Wow, so many great things in this episode to think about. Am I a Samuel? Are you a Samuel? So easy for us to think about all the people who have mentored us, but we need to challenge ourselves to look at who are we mentoring? Who are we reaching into the future and helping others progress in the calling that God has on their lives? In the resources below, we have the CMN message that Nate shared, as well as a link to a website that will give you resources for Future Ready Lead. We would love to hear from you. We would love to connect with you. We would love to help you grow in your leadership. Until the next episode, I just challenge you, keep leading well.